Hi, my name's Christina, and I've been having sex for a while, but I'm always worried I'm not any good at it. So I talked to a sex therapist who told me a lot of people actually feel the same way. They just don't talk about it. So here I am talking about it. The Best Is Yet To Come is here to celebrate and normalize sex and pleasure in all its beautiful forms. Without further ado, let's start the episode. Today is Dana. So I went to middle school with Dana, which is crazy because they're willing to talk to me right now <laughs> after that debacle. How are you doing today, Dana? Not too shabby. How are you today? Good. <laughs> Was that convincing? Mostly, mostly, uh, mostly. Thanks. I'll work on it. Before we start, can you tell me your pronouns? I use she, her pronouns. Okay, thank you. So I caught up with you kind of on social media, like a decade after we last went to school. I have seen through the internet that a woman is engaged now. Yes, I'm engaged now. Very exciting time to be alive. Uh, oh, God, that is the gay shit I want to see every single day of my life. That's that content. <laughs> Okay, will you tell me all about this? Like, who's your partner? When did you guys meet? Who proposed to who? How did you guys decide? I want to know it. Okay, so my partner's name is Kay. I'll just call her that because I'm not sure if she wants to have her name mentioned on the podcast or anything. And we met six years ago back in university. Yeah, we've been dating quite a while. And we moved in together a couple of years ago. And it's been a pandemic. It's been an experience. So I was thinking about popping the question for a while, but then had a couple of doubts, which I think we'll get into as we get further into this podcast and some content and some subject matter. But after I had the conversations I felt that I needed to have, I kind of went ring shopping, got a really cool one that's made in Canada, locally sourced, very sustainable, which was really cool. She's the gardening type, so she definitely didn't want anything crazy, which made my life a lot simpler. <laughs> not great with jewelry. She's not really a jewelry person, but uh, I popped the question on. On our six-year anniversary. Oh. I had this whole thing planned out, but uh, what ended up happening instead was we had like a snowstorm, kind of. So that changed literally all of the plans that I <laughs> initially had. But it was all right, because um, we live in a really nice neighborhood, and uh, so we went for a walk. There's a stunning magnolia tree, like the best one in the neighborhood. Went there. I gave her my phone to take some pictures. And while she was distracted, I popped the ring out, got on one knee. And like, I have this thing where like, if I'm super anxious and like, I'm waiting for a hanging answer. And she said yes very quickly. But if I'm just waiting, I'll just start spouting facts. So I started spouting ring facts. <laughs> You're just like on one knee being like rocks are hard. Yeah, basically. <laughs> you put metal around it. I was like, this ring has wood in it, but it's treated wood so you can garden with it, but not too much. But like, don't use it. <laughs> and like, I was very intentional about, like I popped off with the ring facts. And like, she makes it a point to explain that to people when she tells them the story of how we got engaged. So yeah, that's that. I... I'm gonna cry some gay ass fucking tears. That's so sweet. <laughs> okay, so my first partner, he wrote me like a little book and I'm still very good friends with him. And this book is like one of my most treasured possessions. And it starts <laughs> off with like a bunch of stuff that's like 
love you lots like tater tots and like a bunch of things that rhyme but in the end he just like starts talking about space he just like writes out a bunch of space facts and he's just like talks about like beetlejuice is like x number of miles away and that means like y and like the physics of traveling there and he has like a whole thing about like the physics of prince rupert drops which is like throw a piece of glass in cold water and it's like very strong on the bulb but it'll like shatter immediately if you touch the stem and he was like i know you're expecting little sweet nothings but i'm really jazzed about these face facts so i hope you tolerate that (laughs) that that is relatable so relatable i love that we actually i kind of want to know some of these ring facts because there's there's wood in this ring please tell me more okay so as i mentioned before my partner is not super into jewelry at all Mm-hmm. So a simple ring would have been ideal. And I didn't want to go the typical, like very traditional route where it's gold, there's a stone of some sort, it's blingy or whatever, because mm-hmm. she wouldn't be into that. And I have OSAP to pay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, I was like, okay, let's find something unique. So this ring maker in this city called uh, Collingwood in mm-hmm. Ontario he basically makes these rings out of oak casks and like oh. different types of barrels and stuff. And so it's white gold with this wooden mahogany cask around it. And it's set with lab grown diamonds that are her favorite color, which is really cool. So it's all really sustainable. It's made locally, which was really neat. And it's pretty special because like she's super into nature, super into trees and stuff. That makes me so happy. That sounds so pretty and like so thoughtful for you to get her favorite color. And it seems like if she gardened, she probably like digs the wood vibe. Oh yeah, absolutely. She's a she's a fan of the ring for sure. It's right up her alley, which I was very nervous that it wouldn't be because a ring is still a ring for a person who's not into jewelry. Mm -hmm. So I wanted it to be something that she'd actually enjoy. So I made a good choice. I'm very proud of you. I hate rings as well. So I was thinking that if I get married, I will just like tattoo a little something around my finger. Though I do kind of want a ring so I can just wear it at events or to bars if I don't want dudes to hit on me. Yeah, that's an unfortunate but like understandable purpose for that, for sure. And that's part of the reason why I want a ring as well. So I can just go out unbothered. Just be like, yeah, don't mess with this. Gay and taken. Exactly. Okay, speaking of queerness, this is the thing that I was thinking about. One of my friends and I were talking. My friend is also a bisexual woman. And she was talking about how like, you know how when you were in elementary school or like middle school and you were like, Shigo from Kim Possible is like really cool. Or like that lady with the the bunny ears with the fringe and Arthur, she seems really dope. (laughs) And then you realize later that those are the nascent stirrings of your queerness trying to like reach your consciousness through thinking that people are cool I remember being in middle school and thinking that you were like so cool just like the dopest (laughs) person I was like for being such a like a social unaware person I was understood that like the hierarchy of cool mostly centered on I'm gonna bleep this name out but like the of middle school but I was always like but Dana's who I want to be and then years later I like was on Instagram and I'm like Dana's queer I wonder if that's why like was that was Dana my shigo (laughs) so that's dope okay the other thing I remember is I remember there was like a running contest and I got fourth place and you got third place and I was like damn it I got beat out 
I thought I was the running person. I guess I'm not the running person anymore. Time to reshape my entire identity. <laughs> so these are some facts about me in middle school. But I was wondering, when you were in middle school, were you aware of your queerness? I've definitely known that I was bisexual for a long time. I'd say like even elementary school. Because there were times when I'd be playing sports and like I would just like appreciate the females I was playing with so much more in comparison to my male counterparts. And it was just like, wow, like we're really good at this. And like, she's really good at this. Like we're really fast and like we're beating these guys and we're insane. And it started like that. For me, where it was just like, I just appreciated female athleticism more. And like, I was way more into that than I was into male athleticism. And like, I played with the boys, but like, I appreciated playing with the girls better mm -hmm. and way more. And it started with that for me. And like, I was always very into playing sports growing up as well, right up into high school. And that for me definitely accelerated things in terms of like acknowledging my queerness for sure. Because like, I knew 100% I was bi by the time I was in grade six. 100% I was like, yo! <laughs> Oh my God, that's amazing. It's like so interesting to hear about having that awareness. So yeah, because I feel like a lot of people I talk to, they don't, even if their friends know or their peers know or their families know, like there's a lot of people like me who are I'm like, oh, it's not that I'm bi. I just think girls are pretty and I want to kiss them. That's straight <laughs> still, right? Same thing, same thing. Sure. So did you, did you have like a moment where you're like, oh God, I'm queer? Or was it just kind of this like slow realization where it evolved from being interested in women's athleticism to being interested in women? Uh, it definitely involved in high school for me because I acknowledged that I definitely was not straight in middle school and that I was like probably bi, but in high school was when I actually like started actually being interested in people and started actually having feelings for people. Cause like you date people in middle school in giant air quotes, you mm -hmm. date people, but like, you don't really date people. If that makes sense, no. you don't get to know them in the same way really. Um, and that definitely changes things. So I think high school for sure. Was it for me? Like probably grade 10, I'd say that's also when I was with my first like female partner. But that was like me at my peak toxic bi for sure. Because little bi me was like, this is an experiment. I'm just testing the waters here. And that's not cool. Yeah, I was that person. Oh, but like, I think that's like such a, that's like, that's such a common thing though. Like I remember for a really long time, I was like, I'm bisexual, but hetero romantic. And I, <laughs> I know, I know. I know. I, I think about that. I'm like, oh, you little, you little, you little dummy. But then I like, I, you know, I think that was actually really important for me as problematic and as like shitty as those statements were is because like, it like allowed me to reconcile my sexuality and like who I'm interested in without having to worry about the fear that my parents will disown me because I could think about like, oh, well, like all of the sex I'm having is like covert that my parents don't know about anyways. So like, you know, that's not a big deal, but like the concept of dating woman like terrified me when I was like first starting to come out because I was like, my parents are not going to be chill with this. They will kick me the fuck out of the Who family tree, my dude. Probably. I don't know. I haven't checked. And that's <laughs> Those aren't waters I really want to test. How did your, are you out to your parents? I'm out to my mom. My father's not in the picture, so like irrelevant, but 
I'm out to my mom and that was a whole thing because I had no problem coming out to my siblings. Easy peasy. They're all lit. And like, we got each other, Mm -hmm. but my mom was a different beast. And I don't know if it's the same for you or it's probably for similar reasons, but Jamaican culture is very, very conservative culture in a lot of ways for a lot of religious reasons. Oh, interesting. And also it's borderline illegal. It it is illegal. I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. It is illegal to be queer in Jamaica. Like it is okay to hunt down queer people. It's not okay in terms of the law. You can't just kill people, obviously, but like no one bats an eye when these sort of violent crimes occur against people in the queer community because it's so frowned upon that it's okay to beat the crap out of them. So with that in mind as well, it was just a whole lot of things compounding that made me not want to come out to my mom. Right. And also because she's my closest parent, she's the only parent I communicate with, I was worried that it was going to change the relationship. So when I did it, I got to a point where I was like, I'm in a very serious relationship with my partner, Kay. And if I want to be honest with myself and like I see myself with this person long-term, I can't keep hiding who I am from, like, a major part of my life. And so, like, the bandage has to come off, homie. Like, you just got to go in. You got to pop off. You got to say it. And so I did. And my mom told me to leave for a while. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) But it was fine. She just needed time. She just needed time. And that's the thing. Like, now she's fine with it. She loves my partner. It took her time to get used to the fact, like, I gave her months warning that was going to propose to Kay Mm -hmm. months ahead. I was like, listen, this is going to happen whether you like it or not. This is your forewarning to get acquainted with the idea because there's nothing that you can do or say that's going to change my mind on this one. Thank you. Bye. And like, now she's cool with it. So um, I think I feel like just boomers in general need time, but especially like that specific breed of boomer that my mom is. Yeah. Yeah. Is is your mom an immigrant? Yes. Yeah. I, I was going to say, it's like first generation immigrants from like lots of different cultures. It like do be suspicious. Very sus. Of the gay situation. Very, Very sus. sus. I also just wanted to know how kind it is for you to be like, my mom needed time and like, that's okay. Obviously, like what I wanted to hear was your mom was immediately like, yes, no problem. My daughter, amazing. But it is so, like, it's so mature of you to, I guess, not be angry at her or to forgive her for needing time oh there's so many other reasons to be angry at my mom that my queerness is like not even (laughs) that's not even like boomers are wild so they're just out here so that's the least of our concerns damn you got me there never mind (laughs) okay so i've actually had like a lot of issues speaking of different cultures perceptions of queer people I've had like kind of a hard time figuring out like where my identity as an Asian person Venn diagrams with my identity as a queer person like there's definitely Asians out there like we see them we love them like we respect them but I don't know like I guess my question is do you feel that too Like, for me, I think sometimes I feel really gay and sometimes I feel really Asian. And there's, like, not that much time where I, like, feel both identities, like, coming together in a way that, like, makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I get what you're saying. I think for me, I get that same vibe a lot of the time, too, where it's more of a dichotomy between who I am as a queer person versus who I am as a Black person. 
And in the Black community, being queer is something that only more recently is in some ways is starting to become more acceptable. It's still very problematic in a lot of different ways in the Black community in terms of its relationship with queerness. And that's for a multitude of reasons that are like a lot to get into. But but like, let's get into them. Yeah, I think one of them, one of the main ones is like how our parents are. Like a lot of our parents are very conservative people and like they're okay with a lot of things. You can get someone pregnant at, a very young age and like we'll sort it out we'll figure it out we'll work through it you can get tossed out of school you know end up living a life of crime doing a lot of things but if you're queer that's the end game you know what i mean that's something that gets you exiled from your family kicked out of your community gets you beat up killed it's ridiculous and it's such a crazy hill to die on I feel when in the context of things there's things like nuance and like morality to consider the substance of a person and that goes way beyond their queerness but for some reason that's not there or at least that's my perception of it when I think about queerness in the black community um so it's very problematic for that reason and it goes in so deep into like music and media and everything like that like there are songs, there are reggae songs that like only in the past like few years have I realized like what they're actually saying. And it's basically just like straight up saying, go up, beat them F-slurs, like stuff like that. Like those are actual songs that are put on blast on radios every day in Jamaica. And that's just like, okay. And it's popularized and like people bop to it. And like, it does have a nice beat. But like the fact that that's allowed to be made, you know what I mean? And that that's something that like is celebrated yeah. and popularized. It, it just shows, right? It's very pervasive, the homophobia and whatnot that runs in the Black community in a lot of ways. And a lot of it comes from our parents and stuff like that. And like you can bring colonialism into it because, you know, our parents, a lot of our parents are products of that. And these are learned behaviors in a lot of ways. But like you also choose to be that way in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? You choose to be someone who right. acts like that and believes those things about queer people and people who are different than you. Could you talk more about the thing you were talking about in the beginning where it's like all of these things are okay, but queerness is not? I feel like it just depends on social location and stuff like that and like where different families are at because priorities are going to vary. If you have to put food on the table, education might not necessarily be the first thing that's a priority to you. Whether or not that's something that is okay is not my job to answer. But in terms of the things that Black families, that some Black families, our parents can justify versus other things that they can't justify, it depends on what they've been through. Mm -hmm. So for my mom, she's had a rough time with her health and whatnot. So by proxy, she's okay with me having to potentially work multiple jobs if I am incurring student debt because school's my ticket out. Yeah. Whereas someone else in a similar situation where their parent is ill, their parent might just prioritize work and might not necessarily care if you get an education and that might not be a hill that they die on, right? Yeah. So I feel like it just varies on an individual experience. Thank you for that. That's all really insightful. I think my actual question is like, why are those things okay, but queerness is not? Like, what is... I feel like part of it's religion, for sure. Yeah. I grew up in the gospel church, like in a Baptist church. Very, very hardcore experience. Bible thumpers would be a very mild way of putting it. 
people were talking in tongues, like Mm -hmm. the tambourines were like popping off regularly. Like I just remember just always seeing women fainting. Like it was crazy, but like it was a very strict church and I grew up with very strict beliefs. And one of the things that was made very, very clear and hammered into us was that if you are gay, you're going to hell. The lakes of fire are open to you and you can go and prance amongst them that is your business you will you will go to hell and that's a belief that's like drilled into you i don't know why the bible is a book it is up for interpretation but that i feel like plays a role in it as well and i know for families who don't necessarily ascribe to christianity or catholicism it's I can't speak for other religions, but at least with my experience with that, and for a lot of my friends who I've met in similar-ish positions, or at least have different experiences with their parents about things regarding this, it's always been a religious thing or a conservative belief or like ideology that they've had from like their parents. And it it just ain't right type deal. That makes sense. I do feel like Uh, colonialism brought a lot of beautiful gifts around the world. Definitely along that list. This is sarcasm (laughs) for anyone who's listening to that. I just, I think that's clear, but if it's not clear, I just want to make it crystal clear. Anyways, one of those things is Christianity and it has been a real way of like instilling some like pretty conservative and like, I think kind of fucked up beliefs around the world. Maybe that's like a reductive view of Christianity. Obviously it's like a nuanced issue and there's like good and there's bad, but like that is it's like pretty fucked up. I know my parents are not religious. Uh, actually, I did just find out my mom is Buddhist, <laughs> which I'm like, what the fuck, dude? You didn't think it was prudent to tell me that throughout the course of my 26 years of being alive? Okay, sure. My parents just don't like queer people because they're like, I don't think it's natural. And I'm like, what about our daily lives is natural? What about like us imbibing like Teflon from our pans? And so much of our our lives are unnatural. Like who is to say like a relationship of love between two or more people that aren't a man and a woman is not. I don't know, man, penguins do it. Like if penguins do it, shouldn't we all? And that's the gold standard. Penguins are the gold standard. Yeah. I remember like uh, watching this like little nature documentary. It was just like a bunch of penguins. It's like two dude penguins that like distract a woman penguin by like bringing her some pebbles. And then the other one like steals her egg and like runs off. And I'm like, yeah, you go little gay penguins. That's an adoption. That's adoption. <laughs> I didn't realize that Christianity was like a big part of your upbringing. Like with the context of that, how was coming out to yourself as bi? Uh, it was a weird time. Mostly because I thought I wasn't doing the right thing in terms of being a religious person, believing in Jesus, and reading the Bible. So then I actually read the Bible, and then I read it again, and then I read it again, and then I read it again. And nowhere does it strictly say anything about it. And that would be quite a hill for Jesus Christ to have died on if the thing that's not going to get me through the pearly gates when I meet him is me being bisexual. That would be a waste of a good cross, in my opinion. So (laughs) I just sort of reconciled it as there are probably way worse moral atrocities I could commit. Why would the person that I choose to love be one of those things? And decided I would just move on with it and see where this road takes me that's amazing I'm kind of proud of tiny you like what a thing to do to like do your homework first of all and then have the courage to say that to yourself and to make those decisions I don't know 
That's really amazing. To be fair, that was closer to when like I actually started coming out to my friends and like verbalizing it like in high school, like grade 10 is when like all of that occurred. And so I started coming out to the homies and then I came out to my mom probably about four years ago or so. So right. that one is still fresh, but I've now for, wow, a decade, Lord. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm a grandma in the queer community. <laughs> How does it feel to be a grandma at 20, 26? Are you my age? Yeah, we, we do be 95ers. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. You might've been a 95er, but like a- A young or an old one. Capricorn or something. Uh, one of them. No, that Gemini yeah. energy. That's what I is. <gasps> oh, you're a Gemini? God, I love Geminis. I'm not supposed to. Oh, no. But I love Geminis. We lit. Yeah. It's okay. I'm a Cancer. My boyfriend is a Gemini. My best friend is a Gemini. And so is my other really good friend. And my boyfriend and my best friend, they both take Lexapro. So my joke is that, like, my people are Geminis on antidepressants. Those are my people. If you're a Gemini on antidepressants, please DM me. I would like to be your friend. Slide in my DMs. I am available. (laughs) Okay, speaking of dating people, my partner is white. Your partner is white. Can we talk about dating white people, please? Yes, it's such an experience. It's like not necessarily going to a different planet when we go to her family outings, but it's just such a different experience. And maybe it's because I'm not well socialized because... You know, I'm an indoor person, but wow, wow. Some of the stuff, uncle jokes are an experience. I don't know if that's a regular occurrence for you, but like these uncles, they've got some jokes and they're all an experience. Yeah. Um, But they're- Are they like dad jokes? Yeah. They're pretty dadly jokes and it's just constant. It doesn't stop. Every single time you say a word, if you hop on a different subject, it doesn't stop. Like, I am the most color at any given event. Like, I went to a wedding, and, like, there were maybe, like, three people of color, me being one of them. And we were like, this is it. This is the spice. We are it. We are in a very, very white space. It's, like, Scottish and German people. That's all it is. Dude, I I like white people. White people are, are great. Being around a lot of white people and only white people kind of freaks me out sometimes it's not like I think anyone's gonna hurt me but I know if I scream I guess it all feels a little get out I also work with mostly white people so like I experience that like every day of my life get out it is I just like wait for the teacup I want to know like what is a gathering with her family like and what's the gathering at your family like a gathering with her family is either like camping or board games Okay, white people love to camp. Yeah, they really out here camping. Like, camping is dope. I won't lie. But, like, it do be a mostly white people activity. I camp a lot more now that I am with a white person. I like camping. I like dirt. I like trees. I like the kind of shit you do when you're camping. Like, I like going on walks and being like, that's a tree right there. Nice. I like looking at rivers. I fucking hate not showering. And I hate not eating good food. I feel like such a princess when I say this. I don't like eating fucking instant ramen a couple days in a row. Or, like, no vegetables. I like to keep my poops regular and my vitamin intake high. Yep, that's valid. I I am about it, too. After a while, camping food novelty wears off. But I will say, Kay's parents, they are very, very, very good 
at the camping meal. They have it down pat. They have a variety of food. They cook it there. Like it's a whole operation these people have. So I must say it's not just instant ramen. They don't do instant ramen. Okay. I love that. I love like that kind of camping. I mostly go with my partner and like his friends and they're all rock climbers. So for them, they're like, their food is like, what can I shovel in my face in the hours of 9 PM so I can get up the next morning at 4 AM so I can Mm. climb Mathis Crest or whatever the fuck you do. I've rock climbed. I know these words, but I'm like, I'm not, they're not me. Yeah, I think it is really interesting, like integrating into white families and having your white person integrate in yours. Because like, for me, okay, I think I have like an interesting case where like, when I think about white people, I think about like, kind of families that you see in like made for TV movies, or or, like my my first partner uh, was like a really just like the nicest white boy from like the nicest family. I love the Fulches so much. I go there. They always have dinner. Gail always makes dessert. Meals come with a salad beforehand. They bake cookies at Christmas. You just sit around the table and talk about your day. They're just like the nicest people doing like the nicest things. Just like good white nonsense. Integrating my white partner with my ethnic family has been really interesting because there's all of these things that I feel are very natural that I feel like I have to explain to him. For example, we went for dinner and my mom does this thing where she goes like oh have you tried this have you tried that have you tried this and she will point to every single dish and have Andrew eat every single thing and then ask him what he thinks of every single thing and this is because like she doesn't really communicate like affection in words the only thing that she really knows how to do is like make sure people are full (laughs) it's like very very kosher to talk about like your weight in a Chinese household in a way that I think a lot of other people would find kind of appalling so my mom is like constantly harping on me for like gaining a little bit of weight or gaining not that much weight. I think I remember once she asked Andrew whether or not his parents were fat because for her, this is important data. Like how could I determine the health of what I believe to be my daughter's potential future partner? You know, I need to make sure their genetics are on point. And he was like, uh, what? And I'm like, oh no, my mom didn't mean to offend you. That's just like not actually considered offensive for her. Do you have like stuff like that? So it's been very interesting seeing how Kay is integrated into my family life. She has a very unique relationship with all of my siblings and whatnot, and a special relationship with my mom as well. You know, parents are parents, so like it is what it is. But it's been interesting to see how their relationship and how like the integration has been, especially since coming out, because we were together. Our parents didn't know that we were queer or together. We both came out and told them about our relationships. Things were weird for a while. And then, you know, things have been great ever since. So that was an experience with that. So in terms of integration there, it's been really great. With integration with my chosen family, that's also been really solid. It's just like a really big group of my really great friends from church. And like, it's a very diverse group of folks, which is always awesome because you don't always get that when you go to church. Usually it's like pretty cookie cutter, Hillsong United bullshit. Like you called me out upon the waters, all that. It's usually like that kind of thing where like you all hold hands and you all go to the same youth camp forever. And granted, a lot of these folks did, but I was fortunate in finding like a really open, really cool group of friends. So integration wise, it's been pretty solid to experience. It's been pretty seamless in a lot of ways. 
a few hiccups in other ways. And that might be from our different experiences. We come from very, Mm -hmm. very different families. She's more on the affluent end and obviously a white person and all of the experiences that, you know, that kind of privilege would afford. And then I grew up in Meadowvale, which is like a broke, like they call it ghetto jail colloquially, which I think is rude because it's a quaint little part of Mississauga. I think it's a cute little dot of Mississauga. Yeah, it had one of my favorite pools. There you go. And they've, they've renovated that pool. So like, I mean, I like where I'm from, but it's a vast difference in where we come from. But it's cool how we meet in the middle. And that's been interesting and always is evolving. I have kind of that experience too, but like the same and also kind of opposite. So I'm the person of color in my relationship as well, but I grew up pretty comfortably middle class. My sister didn't. My sister came in when my parents were college students, but by the time I like had reached cognizance, my parents had owned like a cute little home in Mississauga and they've been getting kind of more comfortable ever since then. Whereas Andrew, he grew up without that much. Like he, yeah, he, he just like, he just didn't grow up with a lot of things and his parents were really busy. His parents got divorced and he was raised by two women and his brother took up a lot of his parents' time. So he was just kind of left to his own devices a lot. And it's like kind of interesting seeing places where his white privilege shows up. Like for example, he was telling me about how he will interview for jobs and because he's like a handsome blonde white dude who wears glasses, he can do whatever the fuck he wants to in interviews. He says that he wants to do like a half hour interview where he said, not a single thing. He just sat there and listened as the guy talked about like how awesome this job was and how awesome this opportunity was. And at the end of it, this guy who was interviewing him was like, well, you seem like a very nice, intelligent young man. I would love to have you continue in this interview process. You know, that's not relatable to me. I have to say so many words to convince people that I'm smart and like worthy of this role. But then there's also times where my privilege as like a person who has never known poverty shows up where I'll make assumptions about things or like I'll question thing is that he does he like he makes like really good money now but like for a while he just like slept on a cot and I'm like why didn't you get a bed he was like where do you think money comes from if I don't need to spend it I won't spend it and I think it's always interesting to see when those things pop up so I have another question for you how do people in your community versus Kay's community react to the fact that you're in an interracial relationship because I have definitely gotten weird comments from different kinds of people but Wondering if you did. We curate the people we surround ourselves with pretty well in terms of where we met. We met in a city called Brantford. That's where we went to university. Where'd you go to school again? Wilfrid Laurier University. Oh, okay. Um, but that's where we met. And then I transferred to the Waterloo campus uh, a few years ago. But Brantford's like such a special place for all of the wrong reasons. Oh, no. It's special because I met Kay there, but it is so, 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 so terrible. And a lot of it, I won't lie, is uh, is to do with city infrastructure and the government there. They are utter garbage. They do nothing but make the city worse, which is typical. They see all the problems around it and all they have are bandage solutions. Mm-hmm. But it is such a hellscape for all sorts of bigotry racism, sexism, you name it, it's a problem. (laughs) There was a time that I was just walking to campus. I was walking to campus. I had a night lecture. It was a simple walk, like 10 minutes. I was going to be fine. First year, first year walking to campus. It's around Halloween. So I haven't been there long. 
And if a pickup truck doesn't pull up near me, it has the Confederate flag in the back. And this dude sticks his head out, straight up looks me in the eye and asks, where are you going? Hard ER. Drops the hard ER on me. I was like, where am I? Brantford. That's where I was. So in terms of being queer and in Brantford, we were always very tactful, very mindful of where we were, if we were going to be going to the club and stuff like that. And especially before we were out to the people, uh, we were very mindful of that as well. But also just like Brantford doesn't make you feel safe in a lot of ways. And people are going to feel ways about that. But like also I've always made it very, very clear my stance on the city of Brantford. So that's not on that. That's the tea on Brantford. Dude, Brantford can fucking blow me. That sucks. I am so fucking sorry that happened to you. I don't recommend it. Like, don't go to Brantford. It's not a tourism experience. If you're going to go see the Grand River, do it from Kitchener, Waterloo. Mm. Keep your life simple. My sister went to Waterloo. It's not bad. Do they like queers in Waterloo? It's a lot better in this area. Anywhere you go, you're always going to have terrible people, just emotional terrorists. Yeah. But here, it's fewer and far between. That makes sense. Which is nice. I currently live in the Bay Area. And before this, I went to school in Vancouver. And before that, I didn't know I was queer or knew what queerness was. So it didn't even occur to me. And so I've been like pretty blessed to be in places that are like feel pretty progressive like San Francisco like that's part of San Francisco's identity is queerness is the Castro is Folsom Street Fair which is like which is like pride but BDSM like it's not that I don't remember that homophobia exists it's just like I've never been confronted with it I don't know I was all just to say that like shit dude I'm sorry Ah, it's it's not your fault that people are terrible people again that's a choice that people make to be that way like I like to think that I'm pretty dope and if you're gonna spare yourself the experience of getting to meet me because you're hung up on something that in reality is not your business and again is something that I didn't choose to be either then you know that's a you problem and you can stick that where the sun doesn't shine I don't know embroider that on a pillow send it to you that is a good fucking sentence right there Thank you. (laughs) Patent pending. I'm kidding. Okay. I was going to talk about weird shit I get because I'm in like, I'm in like the TV appropriate interracial relationship. I'm Asian girl, white guy. It's so, you just see it a lot, especially in the Bay Area. Like this one time I was watching a movie. I was watching Into the Spider-Verse with Andrew and I saw three couples where it was like an Asian girl wore a Doc Martens in a denim jacket and a white guy in a beanie and I'm like oh that's just that's me (laughs) I hate this I hate I hate I hate everything about this which is like you know it's like definitely like a little bit of it like internalized shame that like I should address but I feel like the most stringent like comments I get are from Asian dudes that are like, what are you doing? You're like betraying your people by dating this white guy. I don't know if other people get that, but that is definitely a thing that I've experienced before. I definitely got that. Not necessarily from my mom or my family. Like they're not really hung up on that, but like from other people of color that I've hung out with from time to time, I get the whole, so you're going to stay with a white person long-term. And I'm like, yep, that's the plan. That's not on the agenda. Pencil it in. And they're like, well, like, what about your genes? I was like, I want to, again, remind you that I'm in a same-sex relationship. So, like, reproduction is up in the air, folks. 
not a guaranteed thing, friend. And I don't know anybody a baby. So that's that's an odd thing to say to me. Um, and it's just like a thing of, well, how are you going to perpetuate the black genes? Like, how are you going to keep that going if you're going to engage in an interracial relationship? And my answer is always the same. It's none of your fucking business. <laughs> in reality, on this planet of Earth, we have so many folks living on it already. Children don't ask to be born. And they certainly don't ask to be born into a society where we have politicians that don't give a shit about them enough beyond them being a fetus to ensure that like they have like a good chance at a healthy future on a healthy planet yeah so like why that's a whole ethical thing that needs to be discussed more but like why on earth is it your business if I choose to reproduce or not and like how does that change your life someone who's like a third party bystander completely objective to the situation who I have no plans on involving in my future right like yeah I'm completely with you on so many facets of that like the first one being I don't understand why people feel like they have the right to make comments on any particular person's reproductive plans it's extremely personal whether or not you have a child and I'm also with you on the whole do I want children on this here planet Earth, I would feel extremely lucky if I lived out my natural lifespan on this sinking hellhole of a planet that we have all like royally fucked up. And I say we all, but it is we all, but also I've only been on this planet for 26 years. Shit's been going down for a lot longer than that. Yep. I honestly, this is not like a popular opinion. I really love kids. And I feel like as a person who wants to say that I don't have kids, I always have to caveat this with I'm not a fucking child hater. And I don't know why I feel that probably more of that misogyny that like tells women that they have to have a stance of being pro child and being pro motherhood. I do love children, though. I think children are great. My neighbors have five. And I think they're all super great, super cute. Love hanging out with them. I love being quizzed on what all the Pokemon are every time I hang out in the backyard. But I feel static relief when I see shit like a child crying in a grocery store or a sedan with five bikes in the back of all different sizes just strapped in with twist ties hanging on for dear life presumably a family of five is coming home or going to a vacation I feel like a static relief that that will never be my life I am like so jazzed that I will never have to deal with that. Yeah, that's on facts. I sometimes convince myself that I am open to the idea of adopting a child over a certain age or like getting a child out of the foster care system because it's not a great system here. On mass, it's not a good system. But also, I can't explain the relief that washes over me whenever I see one of Kay's family members who <laughs> has a new child <laughs> or something. <laughs> and they're posting about all this nonsense about how difficult it is and like we deserve more respect because you know I chose to pop a child out and now I'm breastfeeding and it's like I I'm all for it have your babies not my problem and thank god it isn't because yeah. I don't have the patience for it I love children I love my nephew but one of the best things about hanging out with my nephew is being able to leave him with his parents, be on my merry way. Mm. That is one of the best things is that it is temporary. So even if he bugs me or if he's extra, extra, extra annoying that day and he's choosing to do things that he's not supposed to do on a regular basis, it's fine. I can deal with it because you know what? He's not my baby. He ain't your baby. Yeah. I honestly, I feel good even just thinking about the fact that I won't have children. <laughs> it's so like the fact that my uterus is closed for business is just like, 
a very liberating feeling. Oh, dude, I have been taking birth control pills straight since I was 17. So like, I've just, I've like not even had a period since like 2015. The inside of my pussy is just the fucking Sahara desert. Like this is not a hospitable environment for babies. And that's a good thing. (laughs) hostile uterus like. <laughs> uh yeah it's this is like this is a come only uterus no babies allowed sorry folks <laughs> honestly sorry mostly to my mom my mom really wants me to get knocked up but like i have shit to do like play a lot of video games and do art so i'm saying i have plans my mom's cheese None of my other siblings, except for my one brother, wants to have kids. The other four of us, well, four including me, the rest of us are like, nope, not our problem. Don't want them. And she's so upset. She's like, well, how are we going to continue the family name? Excellent question. Not my problem. (laughs) (laughs) So my family has that too, but my older sister also doesn't want... My older sister, she is currently 36, And which is like kind of like getting on in years just in terms of pregnancy. I mean, not in terms of like how she looks. My sister is like hot as hell. She kite serves. Her legs are like superwoman. She looks like she could be like, she could be like 24 if like she wanted to be. Like she probably goes places and gets carded still because, you know, those powerful Chinese jeans keeps us looking hot yes. until we like all fall apart immediately at age 60. Ah, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Someone definitely said black don't crack and Asian don't raisin. I don't like that saying, but it is correct. Yeah, I was going to say it and I was like, I'm not a fan of it, but it is also mostly factually true, to be honest. I feel like I also see like really great looking Latina or Latinx people. I think it's just like white people age poorly. Yeah. Yeah, I guess colonialism does that to you. Yeah. I was thinking it was the sun, but like, I really hope it's colonialism like that. Probably both. Probably both. That historical guilt catches up to you so fast. The ghosts of the past constantly haunting you. (laughs) I was joking. I'm like, listen, Andrew, right now our relationship looks fine. But the time you're 50 and I still look like I'm 25, people are going to be looking at us being like, what the fuck is going on in that relationship? going to be good. (laughs) I look forward to it. Those are questions that I'm ready to answer. (laughs) (laughs) A bitch uses sunscreen. That's why. Okay, so we've come to the end of the podcast, and at the end, I like giving people an opportunity to either ask me a question or give me some advice, uh, or both. What do you have for me? Okay. In your expert opinion, how much butt stuff is too much butt stuff? Okay, first of all, I'm not an expert at anything, but I do have a lot of opinions on butt stuff. Let's hear it. Okay, here's the thing about butt stuff, is that like butt stuff takes so much effort that you either have to do like no butt stuff or like a lot of butt stuff. I mean, yeah, you can like kind of like play around with the butt, but if you're going to like put something in someone's butthole, you better be committed to like a 25 to 45 minute experience warming the butthole up for butt stuff. I have actually just started to explore the wide realm of butt stuff with my partner. And I did not realize how empowering it feels to ram something up there. (laughs) Ram is not the right word. To gently coax with the aid of a lot of lube. Yep. Some of that butthole. But I think it only gets to be too much butt stuff if the rest of the stuff gets neglected, which is kind of hard because cross-contamination and and yada, yada, yada. I don't know. Do you have butt stuff opinions? Very minimal because I'm very inexperienced. Like I don't 
really do butt stuff, but I'd say too much butt stuff is if someone's uncomfortable or yeah, like there's limits, there's boundaries. I feel like boundaries are so important with any sexual act. If someone's going to call it, then you got to listen. Like have to be all ears. Oh, there's nothing worse. There's nothing worse yeah. than an inattentive partner. Yeah. Are you and Kay, you guys like trying butt stuff? Is that like a new thing? Is that why it's on your mind? Potentially, yes. Okay. Any recommendations? I have been fucked up the butt before a couple times and it can be a pretty cool experience. I think, okay, and I think you like probably don't have this problem, but like I feel like the enjoyment of the butt stuff depends so much on the dimensions of the apparatus that is going into the butt. Assuming this is penetration, obviously ribbing, great time. Highly recommend. No, no considerations needed. But like, I've had sex with people and I'm like, you can't put your dick up my butt. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, it it just, it's like not going to happen. Like, I don't see myself being comfortable with shoving the dimensions of like a secret Ardrock bottle of hot sauce up my asshole. I just like, don't think that'll happen. It's not appealing. God, I'll tell you the story (laughs) later because I've told it on the podcast already, but my boyfriend's dick sent me to the ER because it is, I don't know what it is about like skinny white boys, but skinny white boys sometimes have like giant dicks. Anyways, but yeah, like getting the right instrument with like a nice taper, not too big and so much lube and also so much time. I think those are the things that you need to keep in mind when it comes to anal sex. Though obviously anal sex is not all of butt stuff. Yeah. Cool. I feel learned. I love it when I actually know things because so much of this podcast is me being like, I'm bad at sex and I know nothing. (laughs) So there you go. Now I'm bad at sex and I know nothing. Great. Now you can be good at sex and know something. But now I learned. I am learned. Okay, well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was really nice to talk to you after 13 years. And it's like just great to see that things seem to be like going pretty well for you and you're engaged. And I don't know, it just warms my heart to see. (laughs) Yeah, I'd say that was a pretty efficient catch-up session. Pleasure to be on the podcast. Thank you for inviting me on. And yeah, no, it was wonderful speaking with you again and being able to catch up and pick your brains and connect on our experiences as wild queers out in these streets. And fucking miss the goddamn saga. Jesus Christ. It is a special place if you yeah. love going to Mississauga. It's a special place. I fucking hate it. I hate the malls. I don't live in Mississauga anymore for that exact reason. I don't go to malls. I kind of miss Aaron Mills Town Center. I'm not going to lie. They changed it. It's bougie now. It's bougie now? They got rid of the clock tower. They got rid of the clock tower? Yep. What? Yep. What the fuck? It's bougie now? It's a, they have a big orb on the top of it now. Like this glass orb thing instead of a clock tower. Oh my God. Yeah, man. God, I'm going to go home and cry. I'm already home, so I guess I'll just start crying. But before we go, is there anything you want to shout out? Shout out to the squad. Y'all know who you is. Do I shout out my Instagram? Do I shout out other people's Instagrams? Do I, like, what do I do at this time? You can shout out your Instagram. Oh, it is at 10 Miller. Feel free to follow me. Sick. Yeah. That is all. Do it. All right. Well, thank you again so much. Bye. Thank you. Bye. If you like the best is yet to come, check us out at yettocome.com or support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash yet to come. This podcast was made in association with WOW. WOW, or We Are Half the World, is an organization dedicated to cultivating empathy for the Asian immigrant experience. We do this by telling stories and uplifting the voices of Asian artists. 
You can find us at wow.org. That's W-A-H-W dot O-R-G. Our theme song is Stand By by Himeko. You can find more of their work by searching for H-I-M-E-K-O on all major streaming platforms. Thanks for listening. Bye.